Shea butter and popcorn. <laughs> okay, let's start the show. Sit back, relax, and listen. Fridays gonna have you listening. Get ready for a real good vibe. Shea butter and popcorn. Now live. Welcome to Shea butter and popcorn. Season three, episode nine. Shea Butter and Popcorn is the all-inclusive podcast giving you the exclusive. This podcast focuses on reviewing our favorite films. My name is Chelsea, a.k.a. Chels, singer, actor, writer, podcaster, and all-around movie lover. And it's your girl Tajiana here, also known as Taj, Taji, Taj Mahal, all those things. Actress, filmmaker, and teaching artist. I am a lover of all Black things, Black narratives, Black stories, Black everything. Welcome back, y'all. Or welcome, if you're new. Yes, welcome, everyone. I hope everyone had a very happy Thanksgiving holiday yesterday. You know, there's so much to be thankful for, you know. Yes, we are almost out of November. We're almost out of this year. Get me out. (laughs) Get me out of here. Please. Oh, my goodness. So... This week is very fun. It's about dialogue, movies with great dialogue. We're calling it Let the Line Lead. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, Movies with good dialogue, they always have such a fabulous set of characters. It has a great story, a strong script where audiences are typically in for a great experience. So you can tell a movie has great dialogue because it could be easily detected, you know, when they have those type of pieces and of course on stage you can always tell with the dialect and the the text and everything like that but when you can translate it well on screen it can be all the more impactful so I mean there's so many playwrights and screenwriters that make amazing stuff and you know I'm talking about every word not of course the stage directions we're not talking about you know int school hallway (laughs) or x park etc not that Ext. Not interior and exterior. Int and ext. Our favorite. Uh, interior, exterior, of course. It's a little inside joke. Anyway, um, there's so many great playwrights. People like Aaron Sorkin, uh, who I'm going to talk about this evening. He, does, he has done movies like A Few Good Men, The American President, Steve Jobs, and Nora Ephron, who the screenplay for When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, Julie and Julia, to name a few. They're amazing screenwriters. They have written some of my favorite drama and romance movies. And of course, you know, the actors Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote the screenplay for Good Will Hunting. Um, one period piece that was very good recently, The Aftermath, which I saw starring Kira Knightley, had a lot of cool nuances, but sometimes period pieces have such an elevated text that it can alienate viewers or be a certain type of uh viewing where it's only for a particular type of audience which that way it kind of alienates them i feel but we're going to cut into some meaty movies and we have a very special guest with us today so excited let's talk about our friend who is from stockton (laughs) california she moved from stockton to la to pursue her acting career she got her bfa from aziza pacific university our alma mater and along oh, with being yeah. an actress, yes, along with being an actress, she also enjoys teaching her students. Please welcome Skylar Priest. Woo! 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 The sky, the sky, <laughs> the, the, the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Love that you're here. You yes, very excited to have you here and be a part. So we're going to ask her a bunch of questions about dialogue and 
you know, letting the line lead. So it's going to be really, really fun. So let's get into our movies. Um, first up, I just saw this. This was really, really good. The Trial of the Chicago 7. And it's a Netflix original directed and written by Aaron Sorkin. So this movie is based on the infamous 1969 trial of seven defendants charged by the federal government with conspiracy and more arising from the countercultural protests in Chicago at the 1968 Democratic National Convention. So the trial seriously transfixed the nation, sparked a conversation about mayhem intended to undermine the U.S. government. This movie was wild. It premiered on Netflix on October 16th, and it's a Mark Platt production. Uh, shout out to Ben Platt's dad, Ben Platt, from all you theater, theater nerds like myself out there. Uh, this movie got a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's fast-paced. You feel like you're watching a suspense movie, but it takes you in and out of a courtroom and the flashbacks recounting what actually happened versus what the police who dressed as civilians and infiltrated the different parties allegedly claimed to be true, which wasn't true. It was a fallacy. So especially, I have to just highlight the way they treated Bobby Seale and that dialogue there and taking him in the back of the courtroom for contempt of court and they beat him and they gag him with a towel and they bring him back out into the courtroom. I could not believe my eyes. This is like a dramatization of what actually happened. So crazy. It's a hard movie to watch. I will warn you, but it's vital. It eerily mirrored like um, how they had beaten gas and antagonized protesters this past summer, of course, as you know, um, but this ensemble cast is stacked. You have Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, as Abby Hoffman, Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Richard Schultz, who's the prosecuting attorney. You have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Bobby Seale, co-founder of the Black Panther Party. You have Michael Keaton as Ramsey Clark, who's the Hail Mary in the movie where the twist comes in. You have Frank Langella as Judge Julius Hoffman. He's the most hateful, despicable judge and character in the movie. John Carroll Lynch as David Dellinger. Mark Rylance as William Kunstler, the defense attorney alex sharp as rennie davis jeremy strong as jerry rubin noah robbins as lee weiner daniel flaherty as john foynes ben shankman as leonard wineglass kelvin harrison jr we talked about him a couple weeks ago he was in the high note as fred hampton who was leader of the black panther party in chicago so you know you have these uh seven people who are on trial and then you have the people that are prosecuting and defending them and it's just it's a wild ride i really recommend this movie my next film with really great dialogue. Okay, I just got to tell you, I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan, as I stated. And Molly's Game is so, so good. Um, this is available on Netflix to stream, directed and written by Aaron Sorkin. It came out in 2017. It has a 81% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's based off the 2014 memoir of the same name. It tells the story of Molly Bloom, who's a young Olympic class, uh, Olympic class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game for a decade before being arrested in the middle of the night by 17 FBI agents. So crazy. It's so trippy. So in a qualifying event for the O2 Winter Olympics, she was severely injured, so it ended her career. So instead of following her original plan of attending law school, Molly decides to take a year off and she moves to Los Angeles. And then she becomes a bottle service waitress at a club where she meets Dean, who is an unsuccessful real estate developer. And she becomes his office manager, and he gets her involved in underground poker games. Famous and wealthy individuals, movie stars, investment bankers, sports players alike are all involved. This is a true story. So, of course, she earns all this money and tips and all of this. But, of course, she gets in trouble with the Russian mafia. It's so wild. Um, her only ally is criminal defense lawyer Charlie 
who is played by Idris Elba, uh, who is there to help her and, and guide her. Of course, the tabloid is the tabloids are also trying to destroy her as well. Um, so there's much more to Molly than people are led to believe. So it's very, very good. Great, strong writing. Uh, my last film I'm going to talk about is so, so good. Oh, my gosh. It's a suspense thriller. So this is a little different genre, but um, it's called The Lie. It came out on Amazon Prime in October, and it was directed and written by Vila Sud. So you have a female director and screenwriter, which I think is really dope. Um, Blumhouse Studios dropped four horror suspense movies this year to celebrate Halloween. I binged all four, and this was one of my favorites. Um, the screenplay is really important because it brings the storyline to life in such a cool way because suspense thrillers are those that have dialogue and scenes that are chilling uh, naturally. So it's just that heightened, elevated text, which I love. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, they tore this movie up. They gave it a 43%. But seriously, I thought it was very well done. I mean, they didn't like they how didn't. it was. That's the thing. Like, they, they didn't like how talky it was. But the dialogue was so strong. It wasn't like a regular slasher. They talked a lot. So I thought it was good. Um, let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, this girl's on her way to a retreat arranged by her ballet school with her father, Jay, played by Peter Sarsgaard, and Kayla, who is going to ballet school, played by Joey King, who picks up her friend, Brittany, played by Devery Jacobs, who's going to the same retreat. So, excused by bathroom break, Brittany and Kayla go into the woods. A few minutes later, Jay hears Kayla scream and finds her sitting on a bridge alone. Kayla has an asthma attack, and she lost her inhaler. And then she admits to her father that she pushed her friend. And so, of course, her friend is dead. So it's about the parents getting together and, like, covering up everything with this lie. That is the lie that, you know, her friend had an accident when she was killed by her friend. So um, the father comes around, asks for his daughter. All this other stuff unfolds. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Y'all have to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. It is so, so good. Um, so those are my picks for this week. Taji, let them know what yours are. Man, we love Aaron Sorkin. I'm just like, <laughs> how do y'all even come about this process of just sitting okay. down? You're like, yeah, I'm about to write some fire. Like, what? Um, I love it. But my three films, or I also have a TV show, actually, um, today. And the first one, okay, Letting the Line Lead, right? So this film got lower ratings, but... I personally feel like the the humorous dialogue carried the film to make it entertaining. It's an action comedy, and it is the newest Shaft movie that came out last year in 2019. Um, yeah, I am unsure if y'all watched it, but um, it highlights the life of John Shaft Jr., um, who um, is a you know FBI cybersecurity expert. But um, he's trying to uncover the truth behind his best friend's um, untimely death. And he needs um, sort of some pointers and advice um, that only his dad could provide. And his dad is obviously the shaft. So um, he was absent throughout his whole childhood. So then the legendary shaft, John Shaft, um, agrees to help his son navigate um, Harlem and all of the chaos that is going on with that. And so um, he, you know, is accompanied alongside his dad and they kind of get to rekindle their relationship that they didn't have when um, Junior was growing up. And so 
um yeah shaft just comes it's it's a sequel so you know he just comes back and it's uh from the lens of him and his son and it's a little bit um you know with it being more modern um the jokes i feel like you know they poked a little bit more fun it's not as serious and i feel like the dialogue in it really i want to say for for sure the the comedic um dialogue the screenplay is actually written by um kenya barris and um alex barnow um or barno sorry um and directed by tim story which is just so random and then its initial release was in nigeria so shout out to all my nigerian family wow but (laughs) yeah so (laughs) random but i feel like they did a really good job of letting um the comedy drive the story um, especially Junior, his his delivery specifically with the dialogue was just like so it was just so funny and it kept me watching the movie, although I feel like people didn't want to see the sequel. It kept me interested um, and sort of the fast tempo of them talking back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it just played the comedy up really well. And I feel like it was just really well done um, in that regard for um the sequel um especially when jj tries to like because he's very wholesome you know so those lines where he tries to he tries to cuss right is just so funny because of how he delivers the lines and i just think that it was so so well done um yeah. i'm trying not to give it away but there's just so so much stuff especially when um you know he sees his son for first time you know because samuel L. jackson plays shaft and so you know he sees his son, uh, Junior, comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he has a woman over. And um, <laughs> he was like, it's me. I'm your son. Because he didn't know who it was. And then she's just in there. And she's like, your son? I thought you pulled out every time. And then he just <laughs> looks at her. And then, like, doesn't comment. I just think it's just so funny. Like, just the stuff that they put in there, I just think it was hilarious. Oh. Um, yeah, I just think it was it was cool for the, for the modern take. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's that's Shaft. Uh, you can actually watch it on Hulu. Um, and uh, it got a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I know y'all didn't like it, but um, <laughs> 6.4. I really think people were like, they love the original. I mean, everybody oh knew what they had to do. Christian Bale, everybody up in that thing. So that's why people were like, uh, but I enjoyed the the Shaft remake. Like, it was funny to me. Yeah, I don't, think like, it's compa- I don't think it's supposed to be comparable. I think it's just... Uh, another you know sequel i don't think it's supposed to be like that but i mean 6.4 out of 10 on imdb the once again with the google users 91 percent liked it <laughs> Not, wait, four this is 4.5 out of five stars oh on the reviews so it had no jeffrey i don't Wright. know no jeffrey Wright. no people's people got mad <laughs> oh my gosh look y'all can be mad if you want to hey, i thought it was funny. <laughs> no no, I feel like they did great, though, like the, the familial dynamic. Um, I feel like they they did a good job of playing that up, especially when, you know, grandpa is introduced um, towards the end of the movie. Um, I feel like I feel like they did um, a very good job with that. And I think that for for what it was and what they were trying to accomplish. I feel like they did that, you know, there's so many, so many dope people in here. JJ is played by um, Jesse Usher. Regina Hall is in this movie. Um, Method Man, you know, every, everybody's in this thing. Alexander Ship, love her. 
um, there's so many dope um, players in here. And so I think, I think they accomplished a, a very good, uh, good uh, sequel, at least in my opinion, I thought that it was funny. It kept me interested. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Shaft. So you can watch it on Hulu um, for my next one. So basic, but yes, I'm going to get into Moonlight because what the heck? Um, yes. Moonlight is good, though. Uh, it's so good. So good. And I just, I feel like I'm so annoying. It's like every, you know, film student is like, oh my gosh. So Moonlight, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, you know, I even think Memento Mori is cool, too. I think Memento Mori is cool as well. Yeah. But for Moonlight, um, which is now on Netflix, if y'all have not been able to watch the rewatch, yes. re-watch and it. And Pulp Fiction. Um, watch both, y'all. Yes, she's yes, on there as well. Man, like, what do I, where do I even begin? Um, well, first of all, if, if you guys don't know, um, it, it, this film is, um, is a drama that it has three defining chapters um, of the life of, um, Chiron, a young black man growing up in Miami. And so, um, his journey to manhood, um, is guided by the love and kindness of his community that helps raise him. And we kind of see him try to figure out life, um, and go through this, you know, it's a coming of age movie essentially. And, um, I just feel like Barry Jenkins, bro, bro, (laughs) hats off. Hats off because yeah. I feel like it was so delicate and it was so raw. And I feel like specifically, you know, I mean, everybody, Mahershala Ali, Travante Rhodes, Ashton Sanders, mm-hmm. everybody did what they had to do in terms of their delivery, Drudge Rome, everybody. Like, I think it was so strong and it was so raw. Like, I just felt like I was I, honestly, when I was watching the movie, I kind of felt like I was there with them, to be honest. Um, and I, I just think, especially, oh my gosh, let's talk about some women for a little bit, like the mother, um, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that being in that role, you know, oh, like that, that line, um, where she talks about, you know, um, where she says, um, don't something about don't put your head down in my house, you know, in this house we have pride. Um, I think I, oh, it just messed me up. Like, it's so good. Um, Naomi so, Harris. So good. Um, she played Calypso. Naomi Harris, yeah. I think, right? Yes, right. yes. Yeah. Yes, so we did. I did. Yeah. I believe we talked about that, like, last season. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Um, yeah. Stop putting your head down in my house. You know the rule. It's all love and pride in this house. And I feel like just everything, even Mahershala Ali, there are Black people everywhere. You remember that, Okay. No place you can go in the world ain't black people. What? Like, in Moonlight, oh black boys look blue. <laughs> my family was so tired of me saying that. That's the only line oh I Oh my gosh. In the movie. <laughs> really? It's so good. I mean, he doesn't have all of the Oh my God. <laughs> it's the accent for me. Oh, and also underrated. People don't talk about her that much um, in that movie, but she was a scene stealer to me. Janelle Monet brought it i mean she was only Yo. like the first 20 minutes she yeah i was mad about that but she was good. she did what she had to do mm-hmm. that whole scene just sitting down at the table like that her role i mean she, yeah i feel like she is a little underrated as a as an actress because she'd be she'd be coming through with the delivery um yeah seriously you guys like so raw so real 
Um, I definitely love the fact that there is queer representation. I loved watching the interviews um, with Ashton and Jarrell about them getting into character, obviously not being from that, you know, sexual demographic, I feel like, or romantic demographic. I feel like, I feel like they just handled it with such grace and so much care to tell people's stories. I, I just, I can't even vocalize how I feel about that film in, in all of its entirety. And this is just dialogue alone, not even talking about obviously the cinematography and lighting. But I feel like, um, you know, I'm so, so, so happy that they that they accomplished this and so, so happy, um, you know, about the about A24, you know, running this thing, you know, <laughs> and also yeah. obviously the awards. We got to love the awards. Um, remember the mishap at the award show? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. But, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's totally sweet. You guys have to watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, it has 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, of course, and also um, a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. I cannot believe it came out in 2016. Time flies. Wow. But, yeah, it's ridiculous. But definitely go watch it. Um, read the reviews. Watch the actors' um, interviews. It's just simply beautiful. Um, my last project that I want to review a little bit is The Get Down because we're gonna get into it um the get down is so good everybody is upset about the you know the cancellation Mm -hmm. everybody's upset about not being able to continue past season one i feel like i mean i know we've been talking a lot about male players um but but even more so in this show i feel like you know come on mylene come on mylene she did what she had to do. I feel like, um, actually, um, Mylene Cruz is played by, um, Harrison, uh, is it Guardiola? Um, Harrison, beautiful job. Um, beautiful job. And Justice Smith too, as well. Um, Shmeek Moore, Jaden, Skylin, who Skylar actually got a chance to work with on the project. So I'm super excited, uh, that I actually mentioned this project. Um, because they all did a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job. And I feel like it put a lot of them on the map in general. Um, I think a lot of Black people in general just enjoyed this musical, you know, mus- musical series tied in with just such such raw moments. Um, and I think that, you know, you guys have to watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. it, it highlights a lot of different issues um, and once again, you know, talking about young people growing up in the, in the Bronx, um, and just talking about the history of hip hop and all of the issues that come with growing up in the hood. And like, um, you know, it's just such a good music driven drama and it's actually set in the late, um, seventies. Um, and so, um, it's talking about like when, you know, New York was at the brink of bankruptcy and when, um, disco was dying out and, you know, they're trying to tell the story about the rise of hip hop. And I feel like they did it so good through the lives of like art, um, through the lives of art, music, and just young people navigating. Um, I just think they did such a beautiful job with it. And it was so just, it was so entrancing. Like it was so interesting to watch. And I think the main pieces of dialogue that were so like heart, I don't, I don't know, heart wrenching was um, definitely between Ezekiel and my, uh, Mylene. I, the whole series feels like it's a poem, and I just really appreciated that. So yeah. you guys definitely have to watch it, especially Ezekiel. So strong. Like, yeah. What type of bo- what type of boy talks about a girl like this? No matter if I live or die, I'm a promise. I'm gonna meet you on the other side. Like what? 
What? Who uh, said? Come, let me know. Come, <laughs> let me know. The number is five one zero. Oh my um, god! I'm done. I'm done. But go watch it, Stop please. It's so good. Mm. So heart wrenching. Um, yeah, you guys definitely need to watch it. Eighty one percent Rotten Tomatoes and eight point three on IMDb. That's awesome. Watch yes, it. the watch writing in that. Yes. Yeah. That's so good. It's so so. And good. narrated by Nas. Hey! Oh, awesome! It's so good. Oh gosh, that's that sounds like an amazing show. Seriously, those are some great picks. Um, I'm excited, you know, talk more about letting the line lead with our friend Skylar. So, Skylar, my question for you is: What determines a good script? Give us the actor's perspective of what you know determines a good script in your mind. So, I'm going to feed off Taj because she brought up a really good example. The get down. Mm -hmm. So in order to have a good script, you have to understand the culture of the time. So if you don't know disco and you don't know, you know, what it's like to be in the Bronx in that whole time period, you know, and like even the detail when they went to school, like they had their their bags and they had it tied with a belt. Like that's something my mom did. You know what I mean? Like you have to really that writing has to be in there. When I watch it, I have to be able to go bam. I'm in this time period, this location, everything at that time, even with the politics of that show, right? You had Mylene's uncle, right? He was trying to get into mm-hmm. the political side. And we've seen that, I think it was, I don't know if it was the governor or the mayor, he was so corrupt. And we learned that too. Like, you know, the, the history has to be in the writing as well, yeah. whatever was happening during that time. So like, for example, like for one of um, the shows I really like called The Midwives, like, during the, I think it was like the late fifties and the sixties, like you have the baby booming era in London popular, which I didn't even know much about London at the time, but because the writing is so good, right. I know like a new drug, like Destival, like that was causing women to have deformed babies. Right. So now that was like, you know, history though, at that time, like I did my research. I was like, hold on, what is this? I went on a minute. <laughs> like, and then it was just so much more like, you know, because in the 60s, they started to introduce birth control and then women were getting like blood clots and things like that. And so all of these are in the show. But again, they introduced that history in that time period. And so it's just, you know, great writing is going to have the accuracy. Um, another thing is the character development. Your character has to be consistent in every situation. Yeah. A good character. They're always going to react, you know. If a character, like, if they respond differently you're like, hold on, she's going to do that. Like, I know her better than the writer. Like, I've been watching her for five seasons. Like, right. Oh, know, I totally get that. that. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Call the Midwife is a great show. And I feel like you get married to those characters. And like, if they write it weird, then it's like, they wouldn't do that. That's out of character for them. Like, that arc wouldn't go that way. Like, why are they making it, you know, right. even watching the show for so long and you do pick up stuff, especially shows with like different time periods, different places, like checking out the crown and shows like that. And it's mm-hmm. like something that's like totally opposite and like not a part of you as a person, but watching it and like learning so much and like how you relate to those people in different ways that you didn't even think that you would. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And so, too, I think, like, urgency has to always be there. Like, why are we going to watch it? Nothing's going to happen in the show. Like, I'm not going to sit here and watch something, especially movies. This is more challenging because we get kind of spoiled with TV shows, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. But with the Because they have to. They got 20 minutes. So they, like, we have to punch it up. 
Yeah. Yeah. So a good movie, this is really important. There has to be urgency at every turn. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the character development comes in because how does your character respond to urgency? What does your character need from the other characters? You know, because it's not going to be a good show or a TV uh, or a movie if the characters don't need each other. You know? Right. So that's why I, I, I think determines no. a good script. That <laughs> makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. Especially urgency. Now it makes me think of class. You know, we all, all three of us had 5011 classes together. And. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of urgency, 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 urgency. Right. What do you want? What do you urgency. want? What do you want? What do you need? What do you need in this? What scene? do you need from them? What, what do you need from her? It? What do you need from him? So true. Oh my gosh. We did get those scripts all the time. So my follow-up question mm-hmm. is, um, how do you prepare a script? Um, and how can you prepare it from an actor's perspective? Like, how do you like to prepare for a script? I like to dive straight into the character. Like, I need you have to build a character. You have to understand, like, you got to make their whole background. Like, because people don't realize, but even your childhood affects how you grow up and how you see the world. So I'm looking like, what happened to my, you know, character as a child? Were their parents together? Were they in a divorced family? Are they adopted? Like, what's going on here? You know, building it up. What are their flaws? What are their strengths? You know, how do they respond to people? You know, different things like that. Is like how I prepare, you know, knowing what they're against, what um, political, even standpoint, everything. You have to know it. Like, even the get down, you have to know what they stand for. Like, Mylene grew up in the church, but she was like, Mm -hmm. oh, honey, all I'm about is singing. She's like, I will wear that dress up in that church. I don't care if my dad falls out. You know, (laughs) (laughs) this is my moment and this is what I want. This is my dream and I'm going to make it happen. Okay. Right. She's like, sorry, dad. I know you in the church, but she faked the holy ghost she was like listen this is my moment <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she... okay mm. you know, that's how bad she wanted to sing you know even though she grew up in such a strict background mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. she was you like could tell the urgency was like she needed to sing right that was like she needed to it was her way of it, it was her escape like she had to have it, it yeah. oh, so good that's great. Oh my it's like that whole thing of too of like not judging your character because I think sometimes you get in there and be like, you have to, you have of course the act yourself, then you have yourself, and sometimes when you mm-hmm. have that like uh, sense memory of like okay my personal memory, sometimes you want to jump and play in that, but at the same time you'd be like saying it the way you think you would say it, but you're not that person, you're not you, you're that person, you know. So that's the one mm-hmm. key thing I feel like a lot of young actors can do sometimes is like judge the character beforehand and like. That is something that they always preach to us in school. It's like, do not mm-hmm. judge your character, you know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to know, Skylar, um, when you get into um, the rehearsal, um, you have a script, you know, for the first time or you've been going over it, but you get into the rehearsal. Um, what is your method for personalizing the dialogue during the rehearsal process? For me, it's remembering the background of my character going in. But during rehearsal, I pay the most attention to my relationship with others. Mm. Like, how does my character fit? Like, when I did Peggy, you know, like, I was, like, such a misfit in that play um, in The Women. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I had to really study people. Like, how does she move her hands? Okay, I need to copy, you know, I need to follow her because she is the person everybody talks to she's the popular one so I have to study this character more than the other characters so I can fit in you know or why do I need her approval and not 
this character's approval, you know? Um, You know, just really studying their relationship with others because that's what makes a great play, movie, TV show is the relationships, you know, how characters Mm -hmm. respond to each other. And so even rehearsal, like right away, I'm like, okay, so my character, you know, it's, it's in the script, but it, it, it really comes to life in rehearsal. You can see, okay, now I understand why she like clicks to this character or why she avoids mm-hmm. this character or why, you know, she kind of was like, Oh, I have to hide behind this chair in this scene. Like in the fight scene, I'm over here against the wall trying to be invisible. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like that's just my character's defense mechanism, but anybody else, they know that you can't, you know, people can see you, but her, she's like, this has to work. If I just be quiet and I stand here lifeless, nobody's going to pay attention to me. Yes. Right. Right. That's hilarious. Even when we were doing that scene during rehearsal, like I was trying to get creative, like, okay, what if I like, like just stare at them, but like try not to breathe. Like what happens if I turn just a little bit and then like turn back, you know, and like just really Mm -hmm. um, knowing your body too, you know, Mm -hmm. some characters, they're going to be, oh, I just got my nails done, you know, or like my lean, the dress, she was all like, hold on, like this looks good on my body, you know, dresses. Oh. Right. But see, like when she got those dresses, everything was about how does my shape look? How does it make me look? Okay, I have to be better than Misty. Like I need to roll on the ground. Like I need to pop my butt. Like she was getting all into her dance routine. So for her too, like she was really using her body to show like, this is like what I want. This is my dream. Like this is everything that I need. So I'm sure during rehearsal, she was trying to get creative. Like, what happens if I kick my leg up during this scene? You know, and like, <laughs> what happens if I twirl my hair and do this, you know? Yeah. Um, like I'm That's sure so like good. in every movie and show that we like, we could, we, the reason why we like our characters is because of their like quirks, you know, like, how do they do that? Why do they bite their nails in this scene? Or why are they always going like this? Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so those little details, like we discover those in rehearsals, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you, both of you guys had characters where you like, I didn't even see this in the script, but in rehearsal, you found yeah. something and then you just like, you went with it. So as an actor, Right, Miss Actress. You also have a knack for the. I feel like the reason why you just have such a good on-screen presence, Skylar, is because you understand story and you understand all these things in a mechanical way, but you let it like live through you, right? Like live in your body, um, but not like interrupt you. But you you use all these tools and let it let it work. You know, it's not like a it's not like a you know equation it's it's like a beautiful equation for you but it, it doesn't interrupt your you acting and you playing and I, I I see that in you and so um as somebody who also um is immersed in storytelling and um writing as well like how um I, I'm so curious to know like how do you <laughs> and how do you come up with ideas and where are you when you come up with those story ideas Thank you, because you both are very talented. So, but honestly, like it's so funny because I don't know if this happens to you guys, but sometimes, like, like even during rehearsal, it's like it's just instinct. Sometimes, like, what happens if I do this? You know, like I think with my training or our training, mm-hmm. we really learn to just trust our instinct, trust our bodies, like. Um, I don't know if it was Jill, but our professor would just say, you know, just, just try something like just, just try it and see what happens. You know, like don't hold back, you know, there's no wrong mistake. There's no wrong way to do it. Like it's your character and you need to explore how they would react in different ways. And so, 
for me, like with the character, like sometimes I'll just like, okay, like what happens if they just like walk like this instead of like a straight line? Like what happens if they just walk through like, like a square shape, you know, like, cause their character is so awkward or like what happens if they have to like swing their arms a weird way or, you know, just different things like that. I really try to play with how they react in social settings because like when I go out to stores, like I think a lot of my ideas just come out from my experiences with other people. Like sometimes Mm. I'll just be at Costco and when you see people, especially during COVID, like you just see people's reactions. Like this girl, she had, um, she, I guess she didn't have gloves. So, you know, those little food bags like you get from like when you're going to put food in. So Uh, she took two of those and then put it on as gloves. No. Okay, and then that's and that's yeah. So that was her gloves, and so she got her cart, and so she was moving. And so even though when she was going through the store, like when someone would get kind of close to her, she would just go all the way around. So like in Costco, when you first get in, there's like the TVs, right? So it's pretty you get pretty close to others when you go in. So she went all the way around, like through the television, to go straight (laughs) just over there. So that's something like we have to think about, like. If my character is germophobic, like what extent are they going to do? Like how dramatic are they going to be in this situation? Mm-hmm. Like, do am I going to have to be like, okay, listen, I don't have gloves, but I'm going to get those paper bags. Like, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I don't care if it's brown paper bags. Like, that's what makes comedy, though, <laughs> mm-hmm. is that yeah. people really respond this way. Yeah, you yeah. know, like in desperate, you know, situations when we get yeah. awkward, we just okay. Well, I don't have this in my car, but I do have a brown paper bag or I have a t-shirt I don't have a face mask I forgot so I'm gonna tie my t-shirt and go in the store Mm -hmm. you have to improvise because you can't like play the end which you never want to do but you can't especially with this day and age so you have to like improvise and just see what happens you're playing you're playing it's like right you have to with your character you have to play around with how they would wear a shirt Uh how do they wear you know do they are they one of those people that are like I have to tie my shoe double knot or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's just with ideas. I really so just learned from the world around me, like going out shopping. You see people do things. You're like, what would my character do if they were in this store right now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then if you do that, you really learn so much about your character mm-hmm. and how they see the world. Because you have to know how your character sees the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so true. And how they that fit in that. So world. good. We're in the business of just putting up a mirror to society, anyways. It's just a reflection of who we are. And so, because we're, we're only one person, right? You have to have the input of so many other types of people and types of quote unquote characters. Um, and I just, I love that so much. And I, oh my gosh, yeah, you I think that's to, so great. So, you have to listen to, like, com- to understand and to communicate, not just to respond. And I think that's in life. And also when you're doing a scene with somebody with a good dialogue, you can't just be so married to like, Oh, okay, I'm going to do this line and make sure my breath is here. And did I get that moment? I got that moment. I can't just be so introspective of the inner monologue, you know, exactly. exactly. And then the text can't do what it was supposed to do, which is so important. Thank you so much for listening. You all. Tune in next week. We will be discussing movies with child actors. Very exciting. Films. It's so cool. Uh, Films with child actors, they hold a special place in our hearts. I liken it to our parental guidance episode from season two when we discussed films we enjoyed viewing with our parents and family members. So it's going to be along those lines. We'll be discussing that with a very special guest. So follow us on Twitter at Shea Butter Pop, on Instagram at Shea Butter Popcorn. 
or follow us individually. You can follow me at Chelsea J Music on Twitter or Instagram. And you can follow me on Instagram at Tajiana Okechuku, um, first and last name. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Tajiana Tweets. On IG at SkyBaby17. Please turn on post notifications. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Do it. Click the bell for more. <laughs> yes. Right, you guys. It just keeps yes. going. It keeps yes. going. Yes. Listen to these beautiful <laughs> black women. Yes. 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 I'm still, y'all. Subscribe, <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Support your Black Women Podcasters. Thank you so much, Scott, for being on. Make sure y'all follow and support. Keep up with the journey. And we will talk to y'all soon. Yeah, see y'all next week.